Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and this is episode 87 of the podcast here on Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. We got a lot of facts to get to this week on episode 87 because it's holiday season, and that means that the NBA season is just getting going because Christmas Day is a big day, some may say an unofficial start to the NBA season for hoops. So, you may not have been paying attention to the NBA season the last two months. That's okay, because I haven't either. Awful. But, someone who has is our Xander's Facts NBA analyst, Still Billy, who is back on the podcast this week to update us on everything that's going on in the NBA. The biggest surprises, the best teams, the biggest disappointments. We've got it all. All the facts on the NBA on this podcast so stay tuned because that is coming up in just a second but before we get to hillbilly i just wanted to remind you all that if you like the zaders facts podcast if you think you're gonna like all the facts on this week's edition remember to follow the podcast download this episode episode 87 rate and review the podcast check us out on all the socials twitter facebook instagram tiktok i'm on all of those zaders facts that is Zander with a z And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends about the podcast. We call it Spread the Facts, Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts, which is our weekly newsletter, which you can sign up for in the episode description. There's a link you should click, which has a recap of all the biggest headlines from the past week. It comes out every Sunday morning. Check that out and tell your friends to check it out, too. And check out the Xander's Facts link tree, because that's got all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for xandersfacts.com, which is the all-new internet home of Xander's Facts, which includes the one and only Xander's Facts Shop, the exclusive home for Xander's Facts merch. Because if you're late on your holiday gifts, might want to get them something to spread the facts. Just saying, you should all go do that. Xandersfacts.com. All the facts. Spread them all. So... We are going to get to the NBA and Hillbilly in just a second, but I know last week was our final week talking about the World Cup and soccer for a little bit, even though the World Cup's over, and I said I wasn't going to talk about it anymore. Yep. The podcast was titled, Okay, We'll Stop Talking About Soccer, so I'll just mention this in passing. I just have to mention the World Cup final that took place on Sunday, though. I just have to talk about it for a second because, oh my gosh what a game one of the greatest games you'll ever see in any sport that's a fact because it was the world cup final the biggest stage in the world for any sport basically and in this edition in 2022 which we previewed on last week's podcast so by the way if you haven't listened to last week's podcast go listen to that to see if i got my pick right last week But this edition was insanely hyped because France versus Argentina, Messi versus Mbappe. 
Lionel Messi, the 35-year-old, one of the greatest to ever kick a soccer ball, who has done basically everything, who's won basically everything, except for MLS Cup, by the way, biggest trophy in soccer, but that may be coming up. That's not a fact. He's won everything, except for the World Cup, the World Cup trophy, and at 35 years old, you know, the Messi versus Ronaldo debate, who's the real GOAT, who's the real greatest of this generation? Well, that could be decided in this game. And then on the other side, you've got a dominant France team who won the World Cup last time in 2018, was looking to go back-to-back for the first time since Brazil in 1958 and 1962. And while they have a ton of great players, their most notable is a 23-year-old named Kylian Mbappe, who coming into this match had five goals in the tournament, which was tied for the most with Messi and was a big part of that 2018 World Cup win at 19 years old. So really, it was a battle of the eras, because Mbappe's generation, his era, is coming in, but can Messi's generation, his era, get one more win? Tell me, tell me! Well, turns out, you all know how it went. 3-3. Oh my gosh, probably the best soccer match you've seen since MLS Cup. And I'm not even making a joke about that, because... If you remember MLS Cup from two months ago, it was 2-2 at the end of regulation for Philadelphia Union and LAFC. They both scored in extra time, and it went to penalties. 3-3 was the final LAFC wins and penalties. Very similar to this World Cup final, where it was 2-2 at the end of regulation. Both teams score in the extra time, and then it goes to penalties. Well, in this match, Argentina looked dominant in the first half. They were up. 2-0, including the first goal, which was a messy penalty. And then, everything is looking so good for Argentina. And then, penalty for France. Mbappe, of course he made it. I mean, Mbappe's not going to miss a penalty. And then, 90 seconds later, literally 90 seconds later, just a tremendous, that's how I can put it, because it was absolutely spectacular, tremendous goal from Kylian Mbappe. Evened it up, 90 seconds. It was 2-0. And now it's 2-2. Both goals from Mbappe. And now all Argentina's momentum is gone. But 2-2 at the end of regulation. And then, at extra time, we get some crazy sequence where the ball's going everywhere and Messi kicks it and it goes into the goal. It was knocked out. So we were like, is that a goal? It was very questioned during the broadcast. Was that a goal? And finally, the ref gives the goal sign. So... It did cross the line. It did go in. So it was a goal for Messi in extra time in the 108th minute. And by the way, I don't know if you listened to last week's podcast. Spoiler alert. I did pick Argentina to win 3-2 in extra time with Messi scoring in extra time. That's what I said. Whoa. So I was feeling really good about myself. And then 10 minutes later, there's a handball and... uh by Argentina, and France gets a penalty, and then Mbappe, Mbappe got his hat trick. Could you imagine getting a hat trick and then having what happens next in penalties? So they go to penalties, and Mbappe and Messi are the first two up. Of course, they nail them. Then we get some more. France only makes one more. Argentina makes three more. Argentina win. Four, two on penalties. Three, three, the final score. Argentina get their first World Cup win since 1986. Messi wins it finally now it is undisputed the goat of our time of our generation there's been other greats in this game 
and he's right up there. But against Ronaldo, that debate is absolutely settled. Ronaldo has never even been to a World Cup final, let alone won it. Messi has been twice now. In 2014, they lost to Germany in extra time, and now he wins against France, the defending champions. So, I mean, there you go. Also a fact. I mean, how about that? But the celebrations afterwards, they've been, on Tuesday, the day I'm recording this, they were in Buenos Aires hosting their celebration, and there's four million people in the streets of Buenos Aires in Argentina celebrating. They had to abandon their parade because there were so many people. Like, now they're just out in the streets celebrating. Like, it's absolutely insane. But in the stadium, too, their celebrations were great. Messi, of course, getting the best player award in the World Cup, being able, as the captain, to hoist the World Cup trophy. And then they have the four awards that they give out for the tournament. So they have Golden Boot, Golden Ball, Best Player, Best Keeper, and Best Young Player. So three of those went to Argentina players. Golden Boot, most goals, was to Mbappe. So Mbappe has to go up there for the photo op. And he's the only Frenchman, and he did not look like he wanted to be there. I mean, it was pretty painfully obvious. And also, during that ceremony with the trophy and the awards and all that stuff they had on the field, because I was watching that, I had the coverage turned to football or whatever on Fox. I wasn't watching football. I was watching the trophy ceremony. And I noticed that, I guess for the first time, I didn't know this, the leader of the two countries that were in the final get to stand up there and shake their hands and do all that stuff, but also the leader of the host country, so the Qatar leader or whatever, was up there. So in 2026, I just realized that the president of the United States is going to be up on the stage in 2026, and we don't know who that's going to be. That could be interesting, but obviously that's a little ways away. But obviously, next World Cup is in the U.S., but... As I said, the celebrations by Argentina were absolutely insane. A soccer-mad country. And one of the things that I saw in the hours and days later, which I loved, was a video from Andres Cantor, who was the lead play-by-play commentator for the World Cup for Telemundo, who was broadcasting the World Cup in Spanish. He was calling the game. He was born in Argentina, immigrated to the United States when he was a teenager. and. His reaction, his emotion after the final whistle, after the last penalty where Argentina won. I mean, the video, you have to watch the video because I just love it so much. But I'll play you the audio because I just, it's amazing. Sin sufrir. 
Argentina, la selección argentina de Lionel Scaloni es campeón del mundo. Argentina, Argentina campeón del mundo, dicho. Manolo. Oh my gosh, you may not have been able to understand that, but it doesn't matter what language you speak, you could just tell the emotion that he was overcome by. I mean, it's just incredible. It's why we love this game. Millions and billions of people around the world. Why we all love this game and the World Cup. It brings a tear to my eye every time I watch that video. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I wasn't planning on talking about the World Cup, but... I mean, that final was just absolutely insane. Like, if you watch that game and you weren't a soccer fan, I have no clue how you couldn't be now. I mean, no, it's just one of the greatest sporting events you will ever see. The hype that was surrounding this match was huge. Even with World Cup final standards, it was massive. And it exceeded that hype tenfold. It was absolutely insane. That's why I'm going to keep talking about soccer on this podcast, because I absolutely love it. But not this week, because now let's transition to our main topic this week, which is the NBA and basketball. If you've been watching the World Cup, if you haven't been paying attention to basketball, I feel you, because I haven't been either. But it's time to get back on the basketball grind, the NBA grind. And to help us do that is our Zaders Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly, who has joined the podcast to provide an update on the NBA season. So. Let's get to it. Our Xanners Facts NBA season update in mid-December as we get ready for Christmas Day with our Xanners Facts NBA analyst, Billy is up next as the Xanners Facts podcast continues. Xanners Facts. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 87 of the Xander's Facts podcast. We are talking hoops this week with, of course, we can only talk about professional basketball with one person, and that is our Xander's Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly. He is back on the podcast. Hillbilly, welcome back. Uh, thank you. I thought I was a senior NBA analyst. Is that Did that go away? Or? I, it changes based on whatever <laughs> I comes out of my mouth. I don't know. Not official, but if you want to think that, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. I can still tell people I'm the senior, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. No one cares. All right. Hillbilly is back on the podcast to talk about the NBA because we are two months in to the NBA season. And if you're like me, haven't been paying attention too much. Football's been on. The World Cup, which usually doesn't happen, has been on. So that's over. And Christmas Day is coming up this Sunday. Always a big day on the NBA calendar. So if you haven't been paying attention like me, it is just the right time to get back into the NBA. We are going to give a season update this week because there is one person who has been following the league very closely, and that is Hillbilly. I certainly have. We are going to break down all the top storylines, the teams that are disappointments, surprises, as we go over the first part of the season, and we're going to look towards the next couple of months as well. So we are going to start with a couple teams in the Eastern Conference. The top three teams in the East right now, who are Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. But let's start with Boston, because at the beginning of the year, in our season preview, which was two months ago or so, 
We talked about Boston, who went to the NBA Finals last year, hopefully, but they had this major offseason scandal with their head coach, Ime Udoka. He's no longer the head coach. Joe Mazzulla comes in and doesn't look like it's affected them that much. No, no, it really doesn't. He's, um, well, I mean, it's interesting because he's changed the way they play basketball quite a bit. Uh, last year, they had one of the best defenses that we have ever seen. Um, by some metrics, the best defense that the NBA had ever had. This is true. This year, their defense has fallen off, but they have one of the best offenses that we've ever seen. So it's just, it has been an interesting switch. And a lot of that has had to do with personnel. But yeah, they had a much steadier start than we thought that they might. There's been some trouble recently, I guess. They've come back down to earth a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot to like. I mean, the Celtics are, as we as they sit right now, they have the number one offensive rating in the league. And it's closed up a little bit. But before last week, I, they had it by such a huge margin that it was historic, which is interesting. Their defense was really bad. A couple of weeks ago when I checked, their defensive rating was about 18th. And now it's all the way up to eighth. So that's actually improved. And, you know, I think we've felt the whole time that even if they're not really focused right now, they can probably turn the defensive focus on just about any time. What about the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, a guy who has performed well for Milwaukee, now coming over to a team that just made it to the NBA Finals? Yeah, Brogdon was a great move for him because Brogdon played very well in Milwaukee. He's one of the few players that's had a season, you know, where he shot you know, they call it 50, 40, 90, you know, 50% from the field, 40 from three and 90 from the uh, field goal or from the free throw line. But he could just, he could never finish a season, whether he was in Milwaukee or he was in Indiana, what always got him towards the end of the season, he broke down because he just couldn't play that many minutes. So it's just perfect for Boston. I think they only spent one first round, a protected first round pick on him. And what they're asking him to do is just perfect. He's not going to have to play that many minutes. So there's real hope now that he might actually finish an NBA season for maybe the first time ever. Um, And he would be an invaluable addition to him. All right. So also, speaking of personnel, Jason Tatum, of course, we've known he's been pretty good for a while. He's averaging over 30 points and eight rebounds. But last year, in their run to the finals, where they basically were gassed at the end against Golden State. A lot of that was because they didn't have some of their guys like the Time Lord, as we know, one of the greatest names, nicknames in the NBA. What about Robert Williams and how important he is to Boston? Yeah, I think he, he, you know, he just came back. Um, he's playing limited min- moments right now, but he looks like himself when he's out there. You know, unlike we'll get, we'll talk about Chris Middleton later, who's had a, a more difficult comeback so far, but um, he's looked like himself. It's just kind of, he reminds me a lot of Anthony Davis on the Lakers. Like you're just kind of waiting for something to happen. He's just always hurt. And Orford has had to play more minutes. And we talked about that in the preview that that could be difficult for the Celtics if they're asking too much of Horford in the regular season that can really hurt their playoff chances. What's helped them is the emergence of a couple other players who are giving them really quality minutes. Um, Players like Hauser and Cornette have really kind of stepped in and Hauser's just, he's one of those guys that when he's hot, he, he does not miss. It's just incredible watching him. One of those players where when he shoots it, you just, you know, it's going in. 
And then Cornette is giving them a lot of good uh, minutes at the five spot. And is he's he's got this crazy thing that if you watch the Celtics play, you'll see. And you should keep an eye out for. Morning, morning. Where he can be in the lane, in the paint. And his man will be taking a three-pointer. And he will jump like he's trying to block it. Which everybody looks at him like he's just insane doing that because it's obviously impossible except that they ran the numbers on him. It's actually really effective. It distracts the shooter because the shooter is just thinking, what is this crazy person doing? Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see some people emulate it. And I think it all started with that Cornette guy. That's cool. They look much deeper than they did last year, assuming health, which Boston has been very lucky with health the last couple of years. They weren't before, but they've been lucky with that uh, recently, you know, with the exception of Robert Williams. But, you know, he he's kind of pegged as an injury prone player. If they can keep that up, they just have all the makings of the team to beat in the NBA right now. Now, recently, they have had a little bit of a slump. They just lost two games straight to the Magic at home, which is difficult to explain. The Magic are... Yeah, they have a lot of talent on that team. Their rookie, Bancaro, is fantastic, but they don't have any guards. And a defense like the Celtics should be able to just shred them, but they just weren't contending for Bull Bull and all of his magnificence. And he is, I think, maybe the most fun player to watch right now. He's having a great year, but regardless. Um, So, you know, the Celtics, they kind of come back down to earth, and you see they still have a lot of the same problems that they've had where – you know, Marcus Smart is their point guard, and he's kind of more of a shooting guard than a point guard. He makes a lot of bad decisions, and he can make them in crunch time. Jason Tatum can check out some games. We are seeing that pop up more now, but I, all things being equal and health assumed, it, it seems as though the Celtics are in the driver's seat. All right. Well, how about the team that is effectively at the moment, we're recording this Monday night tied with Boston at the top of the East, and that would be Hillbilly's very own Milwaukee Bucks. And it was so interesting because last year it was basically Milwaukee and Boston. Miami was the first seed in the Eastern Conference of the playoffs, but we all thought Milwaukee and Boston were the two best teams. And they faced off the semifinals, and Boston won in seven games. And I think at the season preview, both you and I agreed that if Chris Middleton was healthy, the Bucks probably would have won that series. Well, now he's just getting back yeah and it's it you know as you said we kind of you know thought uh going into it it was going to be the bucks and the celtics and they have been the two best teams in the nba for you know going back to the second half of last year and so they just seem to be kind of continuing that now it's interesting to remember though about boston this time last year boston was underwater they were actually at the time they were 13 and 14 by this date. So they turned it on later. And it's just kind of a reminder to all the listeners. Listen up. Like what we're saying right now, who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, People were legitimately talking about Boston splitting up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on December 12th last year. It's crazy to think about right now. It is because now it seems as though Boston is such a solid team. It's hard to imagine them really going into a tailspin. But, you know, sometimes when they something clicks with the team and they just get it going. But yeah, the Bucks are, you know, they it's I think most people in the know would consider it to be the Celtics and the Bucks and then everybody else. 
nobody else is really quite in their category right now, especially considering as we're going to get into the West is really seeing some turnover in the in the top ranks and the best teams. The Bucks problem though is it's it's offense. At any one particular time, they either have the number one or the number two defensive rating. And they are phenomenal defensively this year. Brooke Lopez is averaging over three blocks a game right now, which is absurd. And it's not just like he's chasing blocks. He is just playing perfect interior defense with Giannis sitting right next to him. And then you have Holiday playing point. The defense is just incredible. But the offensive rating has been 18th. And for a team with Giannis, who shoots almost 60% for field goals, having an offensive rating like that is bad. But we remember that they started the year off without Chris Middleton and without Connor. Those are two of their better offensive players. Middleton is really necessary for them. They are both back now. Middleton's only been back for like a week and a half, I think. And he's looking very, very rusty. But I, I think it's safe to assume that he will probably get back to form and Pat Conathan, um will as well. What's really exciting is that they made their big move over the offseason was adding Joe Ingles from Utah. And that's just, you know, if it works out, that could be just as good a move for the Bucs as adding Brogdon was for the Celtics. Would you look at Ingles, he adds exactly what they need. When Giannis goes out of the game and Middleton can go through slumps, they can get into these offensive lulls where it look, it's like they're playing in mud. And Ingles' main, the thing that he is the best at is he's just an offensive facilitator. He is a career over 40% three-point shooter, very reliable, very steady, not a streaky shooter. He's also a very good playmaker. He doesn't, his assist totals aren't all as high as you might think they were when you watch him, because a lot of times he's just making that quick pass, knowing there's going to be another one after it. He just keeps the ball rolling. He keeps it moving. And that could really help grease the wheels for the Bucks and really help them out a lot. Really seems like the Bucks and the Celtics at the top of the East and in the league, really neck and neck right now, not just looking at them, but also in the standings. And they've got the headline game, Christmas Day, five o'clock Eastern, Celtics Bucks. Yep, it should be good. So the third team in the East right now is Cleveland. The Cavaliers, who are just two games behind those two. The big trade this offseason was Donovan Mitchell. And it looks like, so far, it's worked out pretty well. Like, But, like we said earlier, though, Hillbilly, this time last year, Cleveland was also doing really well in the East. And that they kind of faded at the end of the season. But is this year different because they have Donovan Mitchell? Well, and that's the the unpredictability of it is the injury part of it. What happened to Cleveland last year that you rightly pointed out, they had a great start. They looked great. And then Evan Mobley got hurt. Jared Allen got hurt. I believe Darius Garland got hurt for a little while, if I'm remembering it right. And then they went in the tank. So who knows, you know, but, uh, you know, I think at this point, we just have to assume health, you know, except for the people that always get hurt, like Anthony Davis. Need some ice for that sick burn. But for, you know, the average players, assuming health, you know, the Cavs, their defensive rating is one now. Top in the league. And it has, it, like I said, them and the Bucks have been one and two, and they've been dominating the league defensively. They're just, because their interior defense is so good, both of them. Jared Allen, coupled with Evan Mobley, is just unfair for most teams to have to deal with. Yeah, they don't have the defenders on the perimeter. Although one of the things that's been interesting watching Donovan Mitchell, 
you know, when he came into the league, we all thought that he would be a good defender because his arms are so incredibly long and he's so athletic and he just never really focused and was consistent. And he has seems to have bought into that in Cleveland and is playing very well, even though they're only two games behind the Celtics and the Bucks right now. I don't think they're quite at that level. For one thing, they just don't have the experience to do it, except for Donovan Mitchell. But Utah playoff experience isn't really all that great, given what usually happens to them in the playoffs. But you know, I think this is probably going to be a learning year for them. I think it's going to be difficult to imagine them getting over the hump of either, well, probably both Milwaukee and Boston is what they would have to do in the playoffs. And it's just difficult to see that happen. But you can definitely see the potential, especially on offense. Darius Garland with averaging 20 points, eight assists. Mm -hmm. He's really the big guy on offense and paired with Donovan Mitchell too. Yeah. And you can see, and how in the playoffs that could work for them when you have two players that can get past any defender in the league. And both of those guys can do that. Both of them can go and get a bucket any, any time coupled with that back defense that they have on the front court. It's just, yeah, they could be really scary. It's just, it's really unusual for you to see an inexperienced team get to the finals. It just doesn't happen. Seriously? But like you just said, inexperienced, and that reminds me of the team we're about to talk about. The team that is tops in the West right now, we'll go over to the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies, who finished second in the Western Conference last year, and we all said they're not going to the finals, they're really inexperienced. Well, they're tops in the West right now because they've got four players who are averaging over 15 points per game. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who are all 26 or younger in age. Yeah, you know, it's when we look at the East, I think it is we're look even though they're not old, the 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 good teams there, but they're proven contenders that are in their prime. You know, they are they are ready. They are right where they should be, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. In the West, it is completely different. The proven contenders are having a lot of difficulty right now. Golden State looks like they could be in real trouble of not even making the playoffs this year. Uh-oh. Uh, depending on the, the severity of Steph Curry's injury, the Lakers are great to talk about um, if you don't like the Lakers because they're in trouble. So what you have are these two teams coming up, the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, that are a ton of fun to watch. And I know that it you know, the, the NBA is usually at its most popular when there are super strong, well-known teams. But I, I really think that this is more exciting to watch because you're watching these new people come up. Watching Ja Morant play is incredible. I mean, Ja Morant is, by most measures, the most effective post player in the NBA right now. He, he has a higher scoring percentage in the paint than any other player in the NBA. And he weighs 160. 65 pounds. You know, he just throws himself into the middle with just reckless abandon on every play. I, I hope it doesn't get him killed. I would worry about his longevity because he just keeps doing that and he's so small, but he is so incredibly effective and it is so wild to watch that happen. It's, it's great, great to watch it. And, you know, I know they lost last year to the eventual champions, the, uh, the Warriors. But I think you know people forget that there was the one game where they beat the Warriors by oh god I forget it but it was it seemed like it was like fifty points just crushed them 
And then John Morant got hurt, and John Morant was averaging 38 points a game on the Warriors. He was crushing them. And then he gets hurt, and then the Warriors go through. So who knows how far the Grizzlies may have gone. Now, the Desmond Bain injury is troubling because they really, really need Desmond Bain. He's the perfect foil for John Morant, who just you know causes this emergency situation for the defense at all times that tend to leave shooters open. And Desmond Bain's one of the best shooters in the league. But he's out for, I think it's at least another month. And the scary thing with him is they say that he's going to be reevaluated after a month to see if he has mm. um, responded to the treatment. If he doesn't, he's going to get surgery, which is it for him for the year. So, you know, the, the Grizzlies, they have their problems and, you know, they've, they've been a little streaky. But another thing to remember with the Grizzlies is that their starting five has played together for exactly zero minutes so far. That's a lot of numbers. As soon as Jaron Jackson came back, Desmond Bain was out. So, you know, we will see if they get a chance to really gel. I think they're the team to beat in the West. I think the standings right now really do kind of accurately portray what I imagine would happen there. Just because they, they have a little bit more playoff experience than the next team that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Two years ago, they lost in the first round. Last year, the second round, so conference finals coming up, I mean. But Desmond Bain, like you said, is really important. He's averaging 25 points per game this year, 4.3 second chance points, which is second highest in the league. And Jaron Jackson Jr., when he comes back, he's averaging three blocks a game. Yeah, he's Jaron Jackson Jr., if you watch him play right now, he is putting it together. He is looking, and you know, he can shoot the three. He can space the floor for you as well. He's looking like a really uh, unheralded player that and people just don't know about him, but he's they certainly do in Memphis, and he's playing fantastic. So that next team you just alluded to is the New Orleans Pelicans, who are second in the league right now, fifth in offensive efficiency rating and sixth in defense. And a lot of that is because they have Zion Williamson back, and not just he's back, he is playing like we thought he would. This is how we thought Zion was going to play in the NBA. Yeah, it's almost incredible to watch him play. And and there's every reason in the world to think, you know, assuming health, there's every reason in the world to think that he's going to be significantly better by the time the playoffs hit. He just hit the 100-game milestone in his career. It was only a few weeks ago that that happened. I mean, he is essentially it's like he's coming off of his rookie year. He's just, he's missed so much time. So, you know, the idea, you know, that he can get better, it, you're already seeing it. He's playing better defense this year. He's, um, it used to be that all he could ever do was go to his left. It was like 95% of the time. They know it's coming and they still can't stop it. Well, this year, he's really terrifying people because he's going to his right some, which is, thro- is completely throwing them off. But you know the, the really remarkable thing with Zion, he's so incredibly efficient. They have the number five offense in the league, and it's that's the lowest it's been. They shoot the second fewest number of three-pointers in the league. It's a fact. And the reason they can get away with that is because of how incredibly efficient in the lane Zion is. Averaging 19.4 points inside the paint, which is a league high. Another fact. Yeah, he's... Just unstoppable. I mean, if you think about it, it, a good field goal percentage for an NBA player is in the mid 40s. 
that's you're you are doing well. That's good. You're going to stay on an NBA team for for as long as you want, as long as you're shooting like that. A great NBA player is shooting in the fifties, and occasionally you'll see one in the high fifties. Zion is shooting sixty five percent from the field from uh, for field goals over the last ten games. That's just absolutely insane. And it's not just over the he's getting better over the last ten games, but his season average is still 61%, which is still just, it's absurd that, you know, nobody, nobody can do that except for Jokic, who Jokic actually does do that every year. But like Giannis is known for being hyper-efficient. He's shooting in the mid-50s. You know, um, that's just to to put it into perspective how good Zion is. And the Pelicans, I got to say, the Pelicans are my favorite team to watch this year. They've got their camaraderie is like nothing else. I mean, they're having so much fun out there. You can just see how intoxicating the feeling is with that team. And I strongly recommend watching them. They're incredibly deep. You know, Brandon Ingram has been out for a, it's well over a month at this point. And they really just don't miss a beat because that team, when you look at their roster, I counted at least 10 players on there that should be on an NBA playoff rotation. Like they should be on a contender NBA team playing playoff minutes. They've got 10 of those guys, maybe 11 if you count Devontae Graham. It's just incredible how well they have done picking up these players. You know, they've got, um, I mean, other than Brandon Ingram, who they picked up, they pick up Herb Jones out of nowhere, who is probably going to be a first team NBA defensive player this year. He is just incredible. Trey Murphy from Virginia has really taken off. And it's just, uh, he's this six foot eight wing that is deadly from uh, the three point line that, you know, they're difficult to find, but New Orleans has no trouble. The guy they picked up this year, Dyson Daniels, with their first round pick that they got from the Lakers, he looks, he's six foot eight. He plays point guard. He's extremely fast and shuts everybody down uh, defensively. The sky is the limit with them. I, it's so much fun to watch. They're so young. How good they are right now. If they stay healthy, they should be better in the playoffs. And the really crazy thing is as you watch the Lakers fall apart, what everybody in New Orleans keeps remembering is, is that New Orleans has the pick swap with the Lakers this year. So if the Lakers just crater out, which they might be about to do now that Anthony Davis is out with a foot injury of all things, you know, that is really bad news they could completely go in the tank and New Orleans gets their pick. So if LA wins the lottery, they get Wembenyama. You could add a player, like even if they don't get him, they're going to get a high lottery pick out of this added to this team. It's just super exciting to watch. They're so much fun. So many players like Jose Alvarado that I think we talked about last time. The Chris Paul shutdown, man. Grand Theft Alvarado. He won't even mention Chris Paul's name because he hates him so bad, but he takes Chris Paul out of his game. And he is like that guy. He just looks, I mean, the fans in New Orleans go absolutely bonkers for him. It's just a lot of fun to watch. I really recommend if you can watch it. They've got a very stable team. As we said, they're fifth in offense, sixth in defense. You know, that's really maybe the best pairing of the numbers that we've seen. They're, they're just good at everything. They've got so many good NBA players on that team. Including CJ McCollum, who we didn't even mention, who's averaging 18 points, five assists. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's 10 of them. There are 10 people. 
you can go all the way down to Najee Marshall, who is having a great season. And it, I just can't remember the last time I saw it. And they're all so young, all of them, except for CJ and I guess Valanchunas are very much on the upward swing in their careers. So how about third team in the West, Denver, the Nuggets, who have been carried on the back of Nikola Jokic these past few years. But now he's got Jamal Murray back, finally. Michael Porter Jr. is back for now. Even so, Jokic is putting up crazy numbers, like he did Sunday night against the Hornets. This insane stat line, 40 points, 27 rebounds, 10 assists, which makes him the first player to put up 40-plus points, 25-plus rebounds, and 10-plus assists in a game since 1968. That was Wilt Chamberlain. That's a big fact. I mean, just insane, Hillbilly. Yeah, Jokic, his his shooting, his uh, points per game has come down this year. And, you know, Denver has been really unsteady this year. It's been frustrating. Every time I've happened to watch them, I have I have yet to catch them on a really good night. Like I miss Jokic's incredible night. I've watched them on some bad nights and it they've had some some really some some bad nights. But you know, it's understandable when you think of how long Murray was out. You know, he was out all of last year and he was out for the playoffs the year before that. It's just understandable that he's gonna it's gonna take some time. He's had some great games where you see that he's still got it. He's just not really in that rhythm yet. And then Michael Porter Jr., this is kind of predictable. It's kind of like Anthony Davis. Like, I don't think you can really complain if you're a Denver fan. I mean, he's going to get hurt. You just know that's going to happen. He's only played 16 games so far. It's He cannot get into a rhythm. But they are that team that, you know, if they do catch a window of being healthy in the playoffs, they can handle just about anybody. I think they're second offensively right now, but that's been first a lot this year. But their defense is 20, they're 27th. They're just, I think that's going to get better. Over the offseason, they added some really good defenders in Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown. Those are two just rock solid pickups for them. They're great three and D type players. It's exactly what they needed. You got to imagine that Murray's probably going to get better on defense. He's always been a pretty good defender. And Jokic is, you know, at least an average defender. And you couple that with that offense that's just unstoppable. And we talked about Zion shooting 65% over the last 10 games. Jokic is shooting better than that over the year. That's just what he does. And it's, it's, un, it's incredible to watch him in action. But it's just, you know, I think he's shooting 62% over the course of the year right now. He can score anytime he wants. He can get a bucket. And when Jamal Murray gets back to health and gets back in a rhythm, and if Michael Porter Jr. is healthy, I don't know how you stop those three guys. All right. So those are, of course, the top teams in the East and the West. One end of the spectrum, we got to go to the other end of the spectrum. Our biggest disappointments of the year. I mean, we could start with the Lakers. I don't know if we can really consider them a disappointment. I guess we can because they have LeBron. But we were and coming Anthony in. Davis. Yes. And they're in LA. That is true. And they I have mean, all the history and all that. Yeah. And the only reason they are this bad, having, you know, uh, one of the top five players of all time in LeBron James, and then Anthony Davis, who, when would, before Anthony Davis got hurt, he was crushing maybe his best play ever um, in his career. And yet they suck. It's 
true. Because the leadership on that team, the executive leadership is so awful and so horrible. I mean, the, the team that they have put around them is one of, you take those two guys out and that's the worst team in NBA history, as far as I've seen. I mean, they are far worse. I'd much rather take the Pistons right now over that team. They just had failed to put anybody good around them. Russell Westbrook was just the icing on the cake. It was just one of the bad decisions they made. As I said before, I kind of love it because I love watching New Orleans this year. They have really, they're my team this year. And the idea that the Lakers, they're not tanking. This is not intentional tanking. This is just sucking. Terrible. It's, they can't help it. And I guess as a Lakers hater, I love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. Even with uh, their 12th right now, 13 and 16, even with LeBron earlier this season, last week, I believe he became the oldest player since Michael Jordan in 2002 with the, the Wizards, to record three consecutive games with 30-plus points. LeBron's playing, you know, we're not talking about him because he plays for the stinking Lakers, who are terrible, but he's playing incredible, too. And they just stink. Yeah, they are. And Anthony Davis out with a foot injury. That's every Lakers fan's nightmare. I mean, that's, I hope for his sake, because I do like watching Anthony Davis play. He's a good player. I hope he comes back and he's okay. It's just difficult to imagine, but we'll see. And they're already, if, if the playoffs started today, the Lakers and the Warriors are out of it. Not even in the play-in. Not yeah. even in the play-in. And, it's, and when you look at the standings, it's difficult for me to see who the Lakers are going to catch up to. I don't think they're going to do better than Minnesota, Dallas, Utah, Clippers, Portland, Sacramento, Phoenix. I think all of those teams are better than them. Well, all right. So how about the East and the 76ers who are right now fifth, but when you consider they have Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Joel Embiid is averaging 33 points a game, which is the highest in the league, they should be up with Boston and Milwaukee. And I think that's where we were putting them at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Joel Embiid is, you know, he's statistically, at least he is doing his part. 33.3 points per game is pretty crazy, but he's also, he's rebounding. He's throwing almost five assists a game. His defense has been that usual kind of black hole that he creates where it's just good luck. And you see it, the players, they don't realize he's there as they're driving to the lane and they just give up, which, you know, I don't blame them, but I, it's hard. Like, what is the problem with Philadelphia? Like you talked about James Harden and Joel Embiid. That's not all. I mean, they also have Tyrese Maxey who looked fantastic last year, was one of the best shooters in the league. They've got another max contract player in Tobias Harris. They pick up PJ Tucker. What is the, it's, I I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if it's just the bad vibes from the process where you're just realizing that losing intentionally is just not a good idea. I think one of the things that we're seeing is maybe Doc Rivers is just really not that good of a coach. I mean, you think about it, Doc Rivers, uh, if there was some way of quantifying this, I wouldn't be surprised if Doc Rivers came out as having the most talented teams of any coach other than Phil Jackson. I mean, it's just insane. When he was in Boston, he has their big three. Then he goes to the Clippers and he gets Chris Paul and you know the Lob City crew with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan in their primes. Yeah, Blake Griffin in his prime, you know, and then he just doesn't get it done there. And, you know, now 
he's here in Philly with tons of talent and underperforming. And I don't, I, there's just something about the vibe for that team that it's, it's weird that I wouldn't have included them. I considered those three teams that we talked about to really be the contenders and assuming health, I'd be willing to bet a fair amount of money that one of those three teams is going to go to the finals. I don't put the Sixers in that group, which is just astonishing, but I don't have that much confidence watching them play. They've had a lot of injuries, but so's everybody else. Yeah. So what about Miami? Hillbilly, could you please tell me what's going on with Miami? Because <laughs> I looked at the standings like a week or two ago, and they're 11th. This is the team who finished first in the Eastern Conference last year. Tyler Hero has broken out this year. He's the youngest player in Heat history with a 40-point game, which he got last week. Cool facts, bro. And there's yeah. talk that they could blow up this team. Like, what's going on? Yeah, you're right. I mean, a couple weeks ago, Miami would have been on this uh, this list in a much more pro- stronger way. But, you know, they've won four straight. They seem to be finding it a bit. But I think that what we saw earlier this year, I, I think there's some problems that they're just not going to be able to get over. They just they do not have the offense that in crunch time that they need. I mean, we'll see. But Jimmy Butler is not getting younger. He's still great. He's still one of the you know top maybe even ten players that I would want in a playoff game. But you know, Bam Adebayo seems like that's who he is. He is one of the best defenders in the league, and he's an average offensive player. I just you know he's a good facilitator. He's a good player. He's just He's never going to be a volume score for you. It's just not going to happen. So, I you know, it's just it seems like they've got some some problems that are intrinsic to them. But you know, they are going to do this. They're going to be a 500 team anyways because Spolstra is such a good coach. He just he's going to get them to play hard. They'll be a 500 team. They just don't have the ammunition they need to really be a contender this year. I know, but like you think about Pat Riley building this team. You know, this is it. I mean, Pat Riley is not getting younger either. Like, the Heat are in win-now mode, and this happens. So, like, what do you think? Are they going to – could they trade guys like Jimmy Butler, whoever, blow this team up? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I don't think they're going to. Um, I think that they – because, I mean, you know, I say this, but I'm also an idiot. It's the truth. (laughs) You know, I could be – 100% 100% wrong, because I guarantee you I was saying the same thing about Boston last year, you know, but it's hard. I mean, Boston, like, you know, even last year you looked at them, you're like, yeah, but they've got Brown and Tatum. I mean, those guys are incredible. Butler's not getting better at this point. Adebayo's who he is. Hero's having a good season, but he's still not a defensive player. I mean, he is still a liability in the playoffs. Any. Any player that's not a two-way player in the playoffs is a liability. And Hero's just going to be. And, you know, I, I love Kyle Lowry to death, but I, I don't think we're going to see it from him either. I'm just pessimistic. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's not getting any younger either. All right, so the last team you put on this list was the Nets, who are fourth, actually, in the East, three games back. And, you know, a lot's happened to the Nets with the Nets these last few months with. Kyrie and now Steve Nash got fired. So they're already on their second coach this year. And they were, you know, it was bad what was going on, not just off the court, but on the court for Brooklyn earlier. But they're back up to fourth. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they've scored 35 plus points. Both of them have in the same three games this season, which is the first time a pair's done that in the league. 
since Durant did it with Westbrook back in 2011-2012. That was a fact. So, I mean, it looks like they're getting a lot better. Well, they, I mean, they're the hottest team in the league right now. Now, they've had a pretty easy schedule recently. And, I mean, you know, like they should beat Detroit. Kevin Durant should be able to do whatever he wants to Detroit. And he did. And and they are. They're playing better basketball. They actually look more focused. Um, you know, I put I put this list together and I just like naturally type that in. And then I put a question mark after it because like, yeah, well, you know what? They are playing so much better right now. They still have some really bad defensive liability problems. They're, it's not that they're not tall, but they don't have anybody with any kind of strength to them on that team. I mean, Kevin Durant, as skinny as he is, makes you know Nick Claxton. Uh, well, he's he's much heavier than Nick's Cla- Nick Claxton, their center. It's difficult to see them in the playoffs as physical as it gets, being able to rebound at all. Uh, during the playoffs and to play any kind of interior defense. So I think they're still going to have those problems, but they are playing much better. Kyrie Irving's playing better. And, you know, it's like, well, Kyrie, when all this started, Kyrie told everybody that he was sick of it and he was time to play ball and that he wasn't going to tolerate any more distractions, which is an interesting thing for Kyrie Irving to say, um, given his proclivity to distractions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've won six straight and, you know, nine out of their last 10. They're the hottest team in the NBA. That's nice. And, you know, if it's stopped right now, they've, they've got the fourth seed. Yeah. I think their biggest liability is uh, Kyrie Irving, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Stay this is going to continue. I really don't. <laughs> but it could. I mean, it's just at some point you just have to realize that players are who they are. I mean... You watch them during their career, and how long do you have to watch it with Kyrie before you realize who he is? He does this everywhere. He'll do it again. Maybe not, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. A couple of disappointments there in the league so far, at least through about 30 games. Now let's shift over to the MVP race, which is very special this year, Hillbilly. I don't know if you know this, but now. It is the Michael Jordan trophy that the league MVP yep. gets. I mean, how about that? That's a big move. Uh, absolutely. But you came up with the, or you found on ESPN, they made a straw poll of all their insiders polling who should be MVP. And the guys on that list, Tatum, Giannis, Luca, Steph, Jokic, Morant, Durant, Morant, Durant, Williamson, Booker, and Embiid. And... You found something interesting about that uh, about that list. Well, you know, as we talked about with the West, there is this changing of the guard, but it's not just in the West. There are so many young players coming up in the league right now. The NBA is in such good shape because while you have guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant still playing at a really high level in just really, really good players, they are giving way to this new crop that is just incredible to watch. And as you watch those 10 players and that straw poll they do, my understanding is he doesn't just pull ESPN insiders. He pulls everybody that has a vote, the MVP. So when he, like when he did it last year, he gets it right every year. Mm -hmm. It's almost like bracketology (laughs) um, where like, just because you understand, like you've just got the votes of all the actual voters. And he gets so many of them to participate because he's got ESPN behind him. 
that it's it's usually accurate. So this is basically what people think of the NBA race right now, with Tatum being one down all the way down to Embiid being 10. And Embiid's only that low because of the number of games that he's played. But what's really startling is just how young all these players are. I mean, Jason Tatum is the front runner for the MVP. He's 24 years old. He doesn't turn 25 until March. Jason Tatum's been to two conference finals and the finals already. Like, mm-hmm. and he's being considered for MVP and is, he's going to be in the race right at the very end. All those players are so young. The average age of those 10 players is under 27 years old. Gash facts. And it used to be that you don't win championships before you turn 27. You don't win MVPs. It just never happens. Even Michael Jordan couldn't get it done until he was 27. LeBron didn't either. Mm-hmm. And that has given way, as we're seeing now, the young talent that's coming up is just so impressive. And I don't know if it's the AAU ball doing this or whatever it is, but they are putting out talent that's so much more NBA ready. And it's it really is exciting to watch. I mean, Luke is third on the list and he's 23. John Morant's on there. Zion's only 22. And Zion is eighth on this list. He is going to go up unless he gets hurt. Um, I think he's actually a legitimate contender to get it. Not just AAU ball. It's been the influx of internationals when you get Wembenyama yeah. from France and Luca and Giannis. Well, that really is the other story over the last you know year here. I mean, so you take Tatum out and Curry is probably out of the running now unless he gets back sooner than people think. That's going to really hurt his chances, especially being on a bad team. Giannis, Luka, Jokic, Embiid, the, um, I mean, those are, those might be the top contenders by the time it's all done for the MVP. It's just amazing what the international talent is doing right now. And out of those 10 guys, only two of them are over 30 years old, Curry and Durant, who are 34. Right. And I don't think either one of them are going to win it. MVP. But now let's get to our finale of the podcast because Hillbilly is very excited for this. We got a little game to close out the podcast. I'm going to ask Hillbilly, I'm going to give him some teams and I'm going to ask him whether or not these teams will make the playoffs. And you can bet that we will come back to this in April to see if Hillbilly was right. Ugh. So I've got four teams from each conference. I'm going to ask Hillbilly, will this team make the playoffs? I'm going to start with the 15 and 15 at the moment. Atlanta Hawks. Hillbilly, will they make the playoffs, the Atlanta Hawks? I Okay, well, does this include the play? So they'd have to either be the they'd sixth to, seed and above, or they'd have to win the play-in tournament. They have to be one of the eight teams that's in the playoffs. No, I, I think Atlanta's heading downhill. I, I think that this... I wouldn't be surprised if you see Trey Young get traded next year. Right. I don't imagine they're going to do it mid-season, but it really just... I don't know. It it looks kind of ugly in Atlanta, and you know, it Dejounte Murray and Trey Young should play together well on paper, yeah. And they just don't seem to be doing it. They can never, it seems like, really be fully healthy as a team. I, you know, they've had some good stuff. Like AJ Griffin, their rookie from Duke, is just great. Like he he was a fantastic pickup for them. But for whatever reason, the chemistry on that team is so far off. I don't in a very competitive East. I don't. I don't I would bet against it. All right. I'm kind of big at teams we didn't talk about earlier. How about the 11 and 18 Chicago Bulls? Yeah. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago made some midseason moves to try to begin the process of blowing the team up. 
which is crazy because they just put the team together last year. Mm-hmm. But their luck, I mean, at some point, like whatever is going on with Lonzo Ball, I feel for that guy. I mean, like, I don't know if he's ever going to play again at this point. He was supposed to be out a month. He's a well over a year. Like, it's just a crazy, and the updates are not great. Like, you know, oh, well, he's walking on stairs now. Wow. You know, like, it's great. That sounds like you are a million miles away from playing basketball. Um, You know, like, he made it down to the end of the hall by himself, you know? I don't I I don't know what happened. It's going to be interesting when we finally get the full story. But they had no defense. Um they've made a lot of bad moves. Patrick Williams, their big draft pick from the other year really hasn't popped yet. He might still, but it's tough to see things getting better. I'd say Chicago's I'd feel a lot more strongly about them. I'd be quite surprised if they made the playoffs. How about the team that's 6th right now? The New York Knicks. Remember 2 years ago, Tom Thibodeau Knicks made the playoffs. Oh, New York, they beat they beat Atlanta in one game. They didn't win any other games. They won one game, stormed the streets in New York. Last year was rough. This year, I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, they. I mean, if Brooklyn's not the hottest team in the league, New York is. Uh, mm. They've and they've had some big wins, and they're playing solid, good basketball. I just they don't really have the star talent to do it. And I think when push comes to shove, it's going to be hard. And, you know, as as I've said before, and I think it usually does wind up bearing out, Thibodeau drives his teams down into the ground and they're just exhausted by the end of the year. And we see it every single year with them. I mean, he did it in Chicago. He did it in in Minnesota. Um, He's doing it here. It's it's no big surprise. You know, again, I, I don't think they will be in the playoffs because I think that Miami is uh, probably going to overtake them because I think Miami's going to probably be more consistent. And I think they do have a little bit more talent than that. And I do still think that Toronto is going to somehow put it together. And I think that that's going to make it really just too competitive for New York to get in. And I, in a play in game, I'd bet against them. So my last team was Toronto, but they're 13 and 17 right now. Like what's going on with the Raptors? They, it's weird too, because they finally got healthy and maybe that's it. Maybe like they're finally healthy because their, their health luck may be the worst of anybody's in the NBA over the last couple of years. It's just crazy, but now they're finally healthy and they're not playing well at all. They have lost five in a row. But, you know, I'm going to, and, you know, I, these are maybe not the most sensible bets that I'm making here, but I would bet that Toronto does make it into the playoffs. They've got so much talent. OG Ananobi's really popped this year. He is a rugged defender. I mean, he is one of the, he should be on the all NBA defensive team this year. And, you know, Van Vliet is really up and down, but we'll see. Siakam was having a great year, then he got hurt, and then we'll see how, if he gets back up to that sta- that status. And then, you know, maybe as they learn to play a little bit better together and, you know, Scotty Barnes progresses, he hasn't had the best sophomore season yet, but I think it's reasonable to think that come around the playoffs, he's only going to be better. I see them getting better. I, I'd actually would bet that they will be in the playoffs. Okay, so let's move over to the West. I had a bunch of teams to pick from the West, some that I left out, actually, that I wanted to put in here. But let's start with the sixth seed in the West, Portland at 17 
and 13. We were talking beginning of the season, you know, Damian Lillard's still there, but, you know, not much else to help him out. But what are you thinking about the Trailblazers, Hillbilly? Yeah, I would bet that the Trailblazers will probably make the playoffs. They've been more more reliable than I think they get credit for this year. You know, Damian Lillard was out. First of all, Portland was expected to be a candidate to just completely phone it in this year. And that has absolutely not happened. And Damian Lillard has been injured for a fair part of the year, and they're still just chugging along, playing, you know, just you know, a little bit over 500 basketball, but enough to you know, put them, put them over the top there. And in a play-in game, if it came down to that, I think they would do very well. I just, I have a hard time seeing, I don't know that there's anybody beneath them right now, either the Clippers, Jazz, Mavericks, Minnesota, that's going to catch up with them. Obviously, Golden State could if Steph Curry, you know, gets better quicker than we think, but I got some bad feelings about that. And I think either Phoenix or Sacramento could be out. I just think that one of those teams is probably going to peter out for various different reasons with each one. Debatable. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that when we get done, because I didn't have those on my list. But um, how about the Jazz? The Jazz were another prime candidate to absolutely tank. They get rid of Gobert. They get rid of Mitchell. But they're 17 and 15 and 8th in the West. Yeah, I I just, I think the. As the teams get better over the course of the season, the lack of premier talent. I mean, the Jazz are a very deep team with a lot of good players, but they really don't have any great players at all. Um, And I think that over the long course of the season, it's going to catch up to them. And I also think that there's a really good chance that all you're seeing here is Danny Ainge getting this team ready to blow it up again. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them if, you know, he got just the King's ransom for Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, so many draft picks. And now he's taken the players that came along with those draft picks and taken players like Laurie Markinen and Conley has looked a lot better recently. And Clarkson, those are players that teams like the Lakers who are fooling themselves would probably love to have and would probably give something for. I just I wouldn't be surprised to see him blow it up again twice in one season and just get the biggest motherload of draft picks you've ever seen. That's a lot of facts. So I think with all that, I doubt that they would make it to the playoffs. Yeah. What about Minnesota at 15 and 15? The team that on Sunday against the Bulls scored a franchise record 150 points. They're the ones who traded for Rudy Gobert to pair him, you know, down low with Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, and that's been a disaster so far. I mean, I think everybody was questioning it. How is that going to work? For the amount of talent they have on this team, the fact that they're sitting squarely at 500 is a massive disappointment. I mean, Rudy Gobert is one of the best defensive players in NBA history. I mean, say what you want for him about him. I mean, I know there's he has problems as an NBA player, but he is a defensive monster. And when you couple him with the self-anointed best shooting big man of all time in Carl Anthony Towns, to go along with Anthony Edwards, who we really expected to take a massive leap this year from the way he was looking towards the end of last year, and it just hasn't happened. But I still think, though, that they have so much talent on that team. They're, they're going to be in the mix for it. Are they going to make the playoffs at the end of the day? 
I I don't think so because I don't think they'll win their play in game, but I think they'll be in a play in game. All right, and then I have to ask you eleventh right now, fifteen and sixteen, the Warriors, the defending NBA champions. Steph Curry just got injured. They had that kerfuffle at the beginning of the season with Draymond and Jordan Poole. What do you think, Hillbilly? I I don't know. It, so much of it depends on Steph Curry. Steph Curry is still one of the very best players in the league. And I mean, I think he's really demonstrated over the last couple of years that he really is one of the very best players of all time. Probably the most skilled player ever. Fact, Nugget. Because he doesn't do it with, by physically overpowering you. And all the greatest players and then the, you know, the, the great NBA players, they all had physically overwhelming abilities, except for him. I mean, I really think he's in that group. He's so good. But when he doesn't play, Golden State is so, so bad. You know, they, they, the on-off numbers for it are just really astonishing. When, when he is playing, their offensive rating is somewhere around 118, which is right at the very top. Excellent. When he's not playing, it's down to 99, meaning they score less than 100 points per 100 minutes which is the worst by any measure in the NBA. They just completely fall apart when he's out. They're sitting at 15 and 16 right now. He's, you know he's going to be out for, it looks like a month at least, depending on what happens. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic on that. But if he's out for that long, I don't know when they're going to catch up with that. Obviously, if they make it into the play, and I'm betting on them, you know, but... I think there's a legitimate chance they're going to miss it, but at the end of the day, I will not vote against them, and I'll no. say the Warriors get in. Yeah, I'm just while you're talking, I'm looking up the last time an NBA champion defending a main champion missed the playoffs. I think it's the Bulls. Oh well, yeah, but there were some pretty big reasons. For yes, that. yes. The I Bulls. mean, that was was that the '99 season or yeah. But still, I mean, that's over 20 years ago. Like, right. And, and yeah. they blew up. It was the last dance. I mean, that was that's the right. end of it. Mm. So, you know, that's that. But that's how, un, how anomalous that is, how unusual it is that they made a freaking movie about it. It's so unusual, <laughs> you know, um, so, or a television series, whatever. That was a great television series. All right. So those are the, that's our little game for Hillbilly. But he mentioned something really interesting that I wanted to get back to right before we close the pod. The Suns are fourth. They finished way on top of the West last year in first. Of course, they had that epic collapse to Dallas, who's ninth right now. And Sacramento, who's fifth, you know, because they light the beam after every win. They, that's all they play for. I mean, seriously. Duh. But you said, one or both of those teams could crash out. Oh, I I would bet that one of those two do. Hmm. I can't tell you for sure which one. <laughs> just looking at those two, like Phoenix, I say that because I think Chris Paul's basically done. But I don't think he'll quit. And I think hmm. he'll just drag the team down with them, just like he did in the playoffs last year. I mean, everyone wanted to know what happened against Dallas you know, that let them get beat by that. It was Chris Paul was just a shell and he's not as bad as he was in the playoffs last year, but he's had some awful moments. Jose Alvarado was clowning. them. I mean, just completely humiliating. I think that, you know, Booker's shown that he has a hard time carrying it himself. 
They made a really stupid move when they told Jay Crowder to stay home. Don't play. Just stay home. We're going to trade you. And then the guy that they thought was going to take his place, Cam Thomas, gets injured. So now they have nobody to play that position. And he hasn't even been traded. Yeah. Because they can, and they haven't traded him. Um, it's, I don't know. And you know, the Sarver thing, I think that is the reports are coming out that it wasn't just Sarver. Mm-hmm. It was the whole, the whole group of executives there were misbehaving. I, they've just got the makings of a team that could just, I don't know. I watched, I watched both of those new Orleans Phoenix games like a week ago. And you just could see it with Phoenix. Like they wanted to give new, they wanted to beat them. Like they were, they were pissed and they just couldn't do it. I, they've just got too many issues on that team. And then I look at Sacramento and I love watching Sacramento, but they just have all those trappings of a young, talented team that's overachieving in the early part of the season that eventually their lack of defense, I think they're usually rated as one of the worst in the league, but despite them having the offense that they have, I just see it kind of falling apart as the season progresses. It's just teams are going to get more and more. They're going to understand what they're doing, be able to stop them more. They're not going to be able to pick up the defense. I just see them being a team to kind of flame out. So one of those two teams I would bet will not be in the playoffs. Mm, All right. Well, there you have it. Our little NBA season update here in mid-December, right before we get to Oh, what a lot of people like to consider the unofficial start of the NBA season, Christmas Day. Like, I don't know why you'd be watching football on Christmas Day. It's a basketball day, noon Eastern on Sunday, Christmas Day. You've got Sixers, Knicks, Lakers, Mavericks, which, yeah. but Bucks, Celtics, Grizzlies, Warriors, and Suns, Nuggets. All right, so there you go. Our little NBA season update to get everybody up to date on the NBA season because it's time to start watching basketball with our Zaders Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. Hillbilly, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Zaders Facts. So there you have it. Thank you once again to our Zaders Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly, for coming back on the podcast. And that is basically all I got for episode 87 of the Zaders Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's edition of the podcast, remember to follow this podcast on your podcast app, website, whatever. Download this episode, episode 87, rate and review the podcast. Then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Xander's Facts is on there. That's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We call it Spread the Facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts, about Xander's Facts on YouTube, because this episode's going to be on YouTube. You should go check that out, subscribe, and check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It's got all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for Xander'sFacts.com, which includes the Xander's Facts shop. So that is a wrap on episode 87. Thank you all for listening, y'all. Episode 88 is coming up next week. If you want to know my picks for the college football playoff, because that's coming up New Year's Eve, the semifinals. It's the second to last year of the four-team format because it was officially announced that in 2024, we are going to a 12-team college football playoff, which I'm very excited about because maybe one day the Hokies might have a chance. We're going to talk about that next week on episode 88 of the podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 87 
of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 88 next week. Z-A-N-D-E-R-S-F-A-C-T-S dot com.